And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And with that, we welcome you to the VanCast, and this might be an extended therapy session, not necessarily a breakdown (laughs) of X's and O's, because the Canucks went on the road thinking maybe they had turned the corner, and did they get punched in the face? My goodness, a pair of touchdowns and then a a five-goal outing the other night. They come back with their tail between their legs. Chicken little, the sky is falling, all of it is bad right now, Drancer. Yeah, there's a deluge in Vancouver, the BC storm, and it... Pales in comparison. Like, it's not even pathetic fallacy for how Canucks fans feel. Because if it was, if it was pathetic fallacy, there'd be, like, fire and brimstone raining down. Uh, Canucks fans are upset. Like, I, I feel like this is the maddest I've seen this market in a decade. That's how I feel right now. Like, I think this market is furious to know that this team has gone all in, traded multiple first-round picks, you know, spent to the cap, assumed some significant contractual liabilities, like 300-plus games of Tucker Pullman, 500 games of Oliver ekman Larson, and the result is this uninspired. I mean, 19-6 goal differential on that road trip, just just embarrassed, right? Like, humbled and embarrassed in every game. Uh, and then that Anaheim game, I mean, it's closer than the scoreline indicates, but not only do they give away the empty netter without really threatening at any point, but they also they also then hang Halak out to dry for no reason for that fifth goal, just just salt in the wound. I mean, this market has no faith in this team or this organization's leadership or this organization's ownership. And, you know, I don't know how they address that, but if this team doesn't come out the gates flying on Wednesday, I mean, what's that atmosphere going to be like, Farhan? Yeah, it's going to be absolutely toxic if it isn't already, but... You know, you bring up the point as to who the fans and the market is mad at. And that's my question to you, because I think if you'd have asked us this question, um, you know, a month ago, that who's got the least amount of faith from the fan base, I think the overwhelming answer would have been Jim Benning. But now you've really got a bit of a divide because I don't know about you, but the takeaways I get on social media right now is that as pissed as people are at Benning or were at Benning, they're more pissed off at the players and even more pissed off at Travis Green. And the consensus is that's where the problems start, rightly or wrongly. Uh, I don't know if it's a consensus. I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of fans that bought into the offseason moves. And now to see this team fall flat the way it has through its first 16 games, the easiest course of action is to say, well, the roster's not playing up to its potential, get a new coach. and. You know, I think there's a lot of other people who are saying, what do you expect from a team that has to play, you know, that NHL defense? Like, 
what I mean, who's how's that on is Travis Green three NHL defensemen? Like, does firing him <laughs> change the blue line? Does it change this roster construction issue? Uh, construction issue? Does, is Firing Travis Green, a right-handed centerman. Is it getting Elias Pettersson to look like a shadow of Elias Pettersson again? Right? So, you know, I, I do think there's a split, right? There's the blame the roster people. There's the blame the coach people. But here's where it sort of gets interesting is I do find, and I think the news that he'd stayed behind in Vegas and, and watched Sunday Night Football sort of exacerbated this. But I think there's declining significantly declining or or increasing actually attention on ownership's role in all this on the fact that ownership has tolerated this dreck for so long and you know that's sort of a, an interesting thing like i not only not only is this team not winning but i think we're past the point too of benning or green being acceptable to this market as people deserving the blame in a way that insulates ownership. Like this is on ownership too. This is ownership's team, especially because after the club fell flat on its face in the all Canadian division, zero leadership changes were made, right? Like no fundamental leadership changes. There was no accountability for what happened in 2021. And I think that puts the bullseye on ownership's back in terms of being responsible for what this club is. Yeah, look, I think that's fair. I just don't know that there's that level of nuance when people are that angry. And I and I think people are angry for... Maybe I'm reading too much into the athletic comment section. <laughs> well, you might be, but I, like, I just find that people are angry and want... They want results today, right? And, you know, for me, I, I'm totally in agreement. This starts with ownership, allowing this management team to turn this roster into a complete train wreck. It starts there. Um I think there are huge issues in that locker room, which we'll dive into a little bit later. Like, I think there are major problems in the locker room and management constructed the locker room, like it or not, Yeah, right? They they took a leap of faith into some people and they they trusted their character. They trusted that eventually they'd mature. Like, my problem is that I've coached too long and even though I've never coached professional athletes, I always lean to coaching. So my bent as a human in all of this is the players need to be accountable. That's just not the real world, right? Like we're, we're just not, we, we want to blame everybody else. We don't want to blame the players because, you know, how do you fix the players, right? Well, maybe you fix the players with a different coach. You know, there's certainly a belief right. that Pedersen is, you know, to quote Tony Gallagher, a hologram of himself, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like he's just not the same player. And I, you know, and if, if you are fine, like, because you've been kind of the longest defender here. If you are finally coming around to the notion that he might not get there anytime soon, then holy cow, do we have a problem? Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have to see. We have to see what it looks like. But I thought the road trip that they just took was phenomenally interesting. And here's why there's a difference between struggling when you're a top line player and what Pedersen saw on this road trip, which was a complete lack of respect from three separate bench bosses three separate NHL bench bosses. No one hard matched him on their own home ice. No one came out and hard matched the line that Pedersen was on. Like teams were comfortable with their fourth line. Anaheim was comfortable with their fourth line on out against Pedersen last night. You never saw that. You never saw that in 2019, 20, never, never. And so if you're at the point where people are doing the pre-scout and they're like, ah, we're not worried about this guy. If if shooters aren't fronting your shot on the penalty kill, um, boy, like that to me is where it becomes real. That's that's where like I can say whatever I want, you can say whatever you want, and I weighed it to some extent. But when the people for whom these results, like you know, the, the people with real skin in the game, millions of dollars on the line, right, may, sort of watch the game with their expert knowledge and decide, nah, not worried about this guy. That to me is a different level of indictment. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, there were there was a little more offensive production and he scored goals in a couple of games late in the homestand. To be honest, the thing I liked the most about Pedersen's game was when he came out of the box after that penalty and had the breakaway, he at least attempted a highlight level move, which sure. you have to have some level of confidence to attempt the move, even though he couldn't execute the move. Certainly fans would rather have seen a goal than a cute move that didn't work. But the fact that he attempted said cute move, you know, maybe his confidence isn't completely gone, but... The rest of the game, there are times when he looks disinterested. He looks unconfident. He looks like a player that is really stuck in a malaise. You wonder what's happening in the locker room in regards to Pedersen. 
Uh, you know, all the things that people want to jump on when a young player goes into a slump, like all the easy crutch narratives, like, oh, this guy's, you know, was just interested in getting a contract and now he's out. Oh, he's just so interested in social media and building his brand because that's what young people do. All of those narratives are valid today. You can't dismiss any of them, Drancer. You cannot dismiss any of them because what we're seeing is just alarmingly bad. Like, you know, the one thing that jumps out to me, what would Botch say right now? Yeah. Well, it's, what would it's Botch just, have said? I was the I'm, biggest, you know, pounder of the alien drum <laughs> that to the point where when he wins rookie of the year, he, he does a testimonial to the late Jason Botchford, you know, good friend of yours and mine. What would Botch say today? Well, I think he'd, I honestly think he'd be like the rest of us. He'd be shocked. Like, I just think he'd be shocked. It's it's just stunning to see how different he looks and the form is. Now, all of that said, right? You don't come into this league and do what Elias Pettersson did, not for a season, not for two seasons, but over 185 NHL games, including, you know, a trip to the conference final in the playoffs, right? 0.9 points per game, dominant most nights, and then turn into a pumpkin. Like, you, you know, this isn't Cinderella. The clock's not going to strike midnight. Like, there's no way that, that I, I mean, I find it impossible to believe that a player with Pedersen's track record is going to become what he's been over the last 16 games permanently. Like, but I, I see, I just don't view it as 16. It doesn't track. We're not on the same page on this, right? Because I view last year as part of the problem. Right. And I know you don't because he had those final 11 games before injury where he got better. Yeah. Half of the games were really good. Yeah. Right. But, but early on, I mean, that was real as well. Like a player of that ilk coming off the two seasons he had shouldn't have struggled that way coming into it. That was a problem. Oh, but, but and I think it was a harbinger of what games. we're dealing with now. Yeah, but look at, look at Mitch Marner's first 10 games this season versus his last 10. Look at, uh, look at Austin Matthews' first 10 games this season. Like great players have runs of form. Yeah, but we're talking about different levels crummy. of runs. Like, if you watch those games, they're, st- like, they're just snake bit. This guy's disinterested. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that from him. Maybe I saw that from him more last year, to be honest, than this year. I don't see disinterest. I just see, I just see a guy not getting to his spots, losing a ton of battles. I just see a guy who's not driving play the same way. Um, yeah. And look, fu- I see a guy that's getting knocked off the puck like a child. Oh, I see a yeah. kid that's in the big boys club and can't function. <laughs> I mean, what an indictment that Ryan Getzlaff like literally walked around the ice stealing the Canucks' lunch money. Like I thought the most telling moment of the game last night, and it was the penalty, the Burroughs penalty that led to the 3-1 goal for Anaheim. And Ryan Getzlaff gets it, wrong side of center. He knows he's got young legs skating toward it, and he just dumps the puck. Like he just dumps the puck, complete, like again, complete, from a pro, like a top-level hockey mind, picking out a guy who they don't think can hack it and testing them, right? That's what he did. He just shot it into Burrow's end. And uh, I don't remember who the Ducks skater was that actually drew the penalty, but skates in quick. Burrow's takes the penalty. Ducks score, and ice, uh, Zegra scores and ices the game, right? And that's it. Like, that's, that's this moment where, like, Kyle Burrow's playing in the top four, and Ryan Getzlaff looks up and sees him and says, you can't hack it. I'm just dumping it in on you. Like, I'm just dumping it in on you with a skater skating fast. And, and, and good luck, you know, deal with it. Um, the Canucks can't pass those types of tests right now, right? They can't, they can't like, weather those types of punk test punches. It's, uh, yeah, it's just bad. Like, I, I, saw, I saw some feedback from the, you know, rosters underperforming crowd that's like, there is no way the Ducks are better than the Canucks. No way. And it's like, well, have you looked at the blue lines? Like, have you looked at the blue lines, right? Maybe you take Pedersen over Troy Terry, even though Troy Terry is off to a on fuego start and Pedersen's off to the opposite of that. But when, once you actually stack up the blue line quality between the two teams, like one has a credible NHL quality blue line, one of them doesn't. I, I, I mean, all over the ice, this Canucks team can't control play. They throw away possession at the blue line like, you know, I, I don't think I don't think you can ignore either the impact that always chasing, never being able to transition, is having too on the way that this team looks five on five, right? Like that's that's part of it. And as for the snake bit thing too with Pedersen, I just want to note this: his PDO is like sub nine seventy, so there is an element of bad luck here. 
Like, there really is an element of bad luck. Even if his form were to not change, and he was continue to, con- to continue to lose these types of battles, you'd expect him, just as, just as the luck regresses, for him to be more productive than he's been through 16. And I expect a lot of other things for him to change too, but just wanted to note that as well. Like, you know, it's not that he's snake bit. That's not the primary issue here, but he is also snake bit. And that should be noted. Yeah, but sometimes you need to do a little more to get yourself out of that snake bittedness for, totally, you know, of lack course. of grammar, right? Like you need to initiate a little bit so that you can put yourselves in situations to get out of that and to maybe get some luck for a change. And I just don't see him with the puck. I don't see him confident on any level, uh, you know, like outside of that one play I referred to. Um, this is a real concern for an organization that has completely got its hopes pinned on two players of which he is one. And as we talk about what needs to be the solution here of all the players, I believe may have tuned out the coach and I'm a fan of the coach. That's the player. That's the player. And you got to ask yourself now, is it fixable? Is it salvageable? And, and as much as I think that this, that Travis green is going to be a great NHL coach, even if it's with another team five years down the road. And I think he's she showed us a lot in the bubble, his ability to make adjustments, his ability to understand his own players' in-game situations and adjust. I think highly of Green as a coach and think he's a great option for any NHL team. But if Elias Pettersson has tuned him out, which in my opinion is an indictment on the player, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, that's the real reason. Like, if you're going to start with the coach, if the reasoning is that you think that there's, uh, like, parts of the young core that need a new voice, like, that's the best reason you can come up with to do it, right? Yeah, it's the only reason. Uh, But, but look, I mean, we have to think about this, too, Farhan, and I know, you know, like, I'm curious to know what you think happens next. Like, what, what do you think happens next here? Do you think there's changes this week? Nope. Nope, me neither. And if there were to be changes at any point, right? Like, there's fans clamoring for Bruce Boudreaux or Claude Julian or whatever, right? And it's just like, are you really going to go spend $25 million, like five times five million, having just extended this coach? And you're going to let the GM do that? And, And, I mean, look, they kept Jim Benning, but they extended Green. Right. Green required a more active level of, you know, work to keep on board. Um, you know, with Benning, I mean, they they kept him around, but they also brought in the twins. You know, they sort of put a succession plan in place. And uh, we know that they talked to the likes of Arthur Griffiths and Jeff Cornell and did like a big, you know, listening tour of Vancouver hockey luminaries of hockey luminaries within Vancouver and without Farhan. Right. I mean, that's not, does he have the weight to spend $25 million to bring in a big-name coach here? Like, do you think he does? Nope. No, I, no. Don't think that's, I don't think that's what they want to spend at this point. So, look, so, here's why I don't think there's going to be change. Yeah. The building is full. Ser- seriously. Like, I'm shocked at the crowds the Canucks had late in that last homestand. And I know people pre-buy their tickets and, and so on. But what's it going to look like this week? And as long as there's, you know, over 16,000 fans in the building, you know, like that's the only thing that's going to affect change. I, I do think that, um, you know, less fans and a lot of booing and a lot of visible, obvious vocal frustration um, might make him start to think. But I, I don't think there's going to be a change this week. And, you know, you have to also, if you're an owner, what level of accountability do you want? Because, I mean, ultimately, Travis isn't a high-priced coach, right? He, he did settle. I shouldn't say he settled. I mean, I don't know yeah, how much leverage a, he had. An average, he's an average price coach. Both in terms of coach or, or term and dollar, it wasn't a big ticket. And if you fire the coach, you as an owner, it allows you to emotionally take the least amount of accountability, right? Because you are then saying he's the problem and we just need a new voice in the room as opposed to I screwed up bad as an owner last offseason by gutting this right. organization's ability to spend money I'm not the reason why the players have no faith in the organization. I, you know, like because those players felt completely let down by yep. what happened last offseason. They felt completely let down by the organization based on what happened during COVID. So by firing the coach, 
you as an owner now afford yourself the least amount of accountability, you know, because as an owner, it's easy to say, I'm putting all this money in. It's not my fault. I'm spending to the cap. It's not my fault. And he wants a level of control, which is why he's got the GM that he's got. So the easiest move for the owner to make where you don't have to take blame is fire the coach. Right. The path of least resistance, right? And that's always a good benchmark for what are the Canucks going to do. Think through the change that would actually, you know, have the least impact, right? And make that one. If I'm the owner, <laughs> like, if I'm the owner, come oh up with boy. the absolute wrong suggestion. And that's probably what Canucks ownership's thinking. Well, because what does the right suggestion mean? The right suggestion probably means sell the team, but the, the, the <laughs> right suggestion for that owner would be fire the GM and now start another rebuild. Yeah, I've got right. a few more core pieces. But now I've got another rebuild, and I'm still not changing the voice in the room. So if a player like Pedersen is is disengaged or a player like Besser is disengaged because of the coach, I'm still not fixing that problem in the short term, even though I've given the players hope that the direction of the organization is better. But also consider that like a player like Besser is going to be a free agent. Yeah. Well, right? an RFA. Yeah, An RFA, sure. yeah. So so there's all of those things that, that come into play in, in that decision, right? Like micro versus totally. macro. I totally. I, I mean, and the path of least resistance, though, is you know, is uh, is you you do the coach first, you work your way up the chain, right? You see if you can get the season back on track with the guy you already have internally in Bradshaw, right? I mean, that's the that's the path of least resistance if they decide to sort of take the lazy way out. But you know, I mean, I just I look at this lineup, I look at this roster, um, you know, I, I look at the fact that Pedersen wasn't in camp in time, right? Like I look at the lack of a right-handed center to win a draw on the faceoff. I look at the lack of NHL quality defensemen, right? Like this is a team with two top four defensemen, Farhan. This is a team, this is a, this is a team we're talking about. Like the great win of this off season is Oliver Ekman Larson, who's a $7.26 million second pair guy signed through 2027. Like, you know, fuck like, (laughs) uh, um, (laughs) like, Talk about talk about um, damning someone with faint praise. Like, great job finding a seven point two five million dollar second pair defender. Wow, incredible! You know, yeah. Uh, no, like, look, it's it's how Tyler I mean, Myers looked away from OEL. Yeah, the right, last week. You're right, and, and and OEL's form's fallen off the last week. Like, the defense may not have been a problem early on in the season, but it certainly was on this road trip. Holy cow! And it's not going to get better. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So what do you do now if, if you, neither one of us necessarily thinks firing the coach is the right thing based on what we believe the quality of the coach actually is, but a new voice might be best for some players. We've, we both kind of agree that the owner's not going to want full accountability here. So what's the solution? <laughs> Big pause um, followed by yeah. F. Yeah, I mean, what what's the solution? Like, this team's not just not good enough. Um, very probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we have certainty. Probably. I don't think we have certainty that they're not good enough, but we're moving in that direction fast. And, you know, it matches what we sort of thought about the team, especially the defense anyway. Um, so in the event that that's the case, this team's not easy to dismantle. Like, it's not easy to change direction here. This club's going to have to ask itself some really, really tough questions. Not, you know, not just this offseason, but, but for years. Like, I think this is a multi-year project. 
to get this club back on track. And, you know, I think it involves, I think it involves more pain. Like, I think you, you have to sell. If the goal is the cup, I think you have to sell, you know, maybe not a re-rebuild, but certainly a mini reset because <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like this team. Oh, you're, you're not wrong, but okay, look, let's, let's talk short term. This team didn't do the work, Farhan. Like they, they, didn't, well, they do didn't do the work. the work two years ago. They didn't do the well, work two years ago. They didn't ago. do the work six years ago. They didn't do the work to mine enough value from their years of being crummy, right? They don't have enough of the like, you know, like look at Anaheim, right? Where you've got Troy Terry, like a fifth round pick from five years ago hitting now, right? Like that guy's not in this organization, right? Besser and, and Demko are sort of like the two jewels of this rebuild picked outside the first round, right? Or not outside the first round, outside the top 10. Everything else, uh, I guess, Hoaglander too. So you've got three, but two are wingers and one's a goalie. Like, where's the defenseman? Where's the critical mass of utility coming from the years in which this Canucks team sucked, right? Picking every year in the top 10 uh, between 2014 and 2019 with with only one exception. Like, where where's where's the return from that? This, there, there's just not enough here. There's just not enough here. There's not enough. They didn't build an army. They built a battalion. But right now, fans aren't looking for the cup. They're looking for competence, like let alone playoffs. Yeah. They're looking for competence. No, but, but They're it looking for some that. level of entertainment. And okay, so let's start here, okay? Let's start with this current team and why it's underperforming. Now, we understand there's some structural issues. We talk, and I mean, and not to underplay that, um, the, the club will quickly turn and say, look, we had our right-handed center that was a really good penalty killer, but he just happens to not be well and isn't ready to come back yet. Uh, you know, it, we did a ton this offseason in terms of finding 4A players that should be able to plug in on a fourth line and win some face-offs and function as penalty killers, and they haven't. And we promised an offense, a top nine that was going to be entertaining offensively, like you as much as anybody, said, look, this defense is a train wreck, but offensively, this group's going to be entertaining. And that part of it hasn't happened yet. So if we just look at what we think is there, not what we know isn't, but just what we think is there, how do they go about fixing that piece in the now? I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, are you going to make a trade then? Like, are you going to make a trade for another lefty that can kill penalties and a right-handed defenseman are you to start using the waiver wire to claim some of the guys that could maybe help you address you know your inability to win a draw on the pk a guy like blake como a guy like riley sheehan like there's things you can do at the margins to just sort of try something new you could call up william lockwood to inject more speed into your lineup or or phil d giuseppe i mean you could you know sort of struggle in that way and just kind of churn guys through your roster until you find some answers that's that's a possibility you can do that but how does but that I mean, help the top how does that no, help the top end no, none does, of it like, does none of it does far that's what i'm saying like i don't think there's an easy fix here in fact the problem is easy fixes the problem is even thinking about them you have because to you can certainly get a player accumulate enough talent be the better can, team you can get you can f- work within the margins to replace a brandon sutter could you not Right, but well, sure. So sure my my, my point is, is that the top end, the group that you thought you had coming in, the right. top three lines, how do you fix that? That like yeah, that's my know. concern. The no, D is what I, it is. If they're losing games five four, and it's not all about the PK, I think we're talking a little differently. Totally, but that group's um, not performing either. No, the they're, they're not good, um, or they haven't been good enough. Not you're about to destroy to Thatcher Demko. Like, with the form this team has displayed, the fact he played great and gave up seven goals twice? I mean, he didn't play great, but he played good. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have a good answer for you. Like, you know, Ho- Pod Colson's played well, right? Hoaglander's been played a stud. really well. Yeah. Um, Garland's been inconsistent, but when he's been on, he's been great. Um, you know, I, I mean, are they heavy enough? Are they fast enough? Like... You know, and that's really the problem. Like all, all of the issues that we talk about, like the mistakes of the past, like they just made them again this past offseason with the Tanner Pearson deal. Like that deal already looks wild. Already, we're 
16 games into his new, new three-year deal, and it makes no sense that they signed it. You know, like, and, and he's doing his best, but come on. Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't to call out one of the few Canucks players who's reliably going and playing a heavy game. You know, like, it's just to point out that, man, like, you could, other teams seem to find that guy for $1.5 million on a one-year deal. Other teams have Nick Ritchie at 2 times 2 5 or Andres Kasha at 1.15, or what have you, right? Like, other teams find that guy for value in free agency. And they trade him at the deadline and then have more bullets to play with to improve their defense. It just, it just, it's wild to me. Makes no sense. And so I look through this and I'm just like, I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Can you, can you compete? Can you compete credibly before Bo Horvat's contract expires? Farhan. It's a great question. Um, can you? We're going to answer. Well, I, I don't know that you can. We're going to answer it in a second. We do want to take one more quick break and uh, recognize our good friends. And, and we'll come back and, and ask a few more hard questions on the final segment of the VanCast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Drancer, before we get into, you know, the two years around Bo Horvat, or before before that answer needs to come, here's the hard question. Okay. Is this locker room broken? Because from the stories that we hear on the outside, I think that it is. I think you've got a bunch of immature players that aren't willing to look at themselves in the mirror, and I think this locker room is broken. And that's the biggest problem. Because... I don't know what other solution there is besides a coaching change. And I'll tell you what, I would love it if they brought in the biggest hard-ass taskmaster in the world, and now these players would be like, holy shit, that's what we wanted? So, I mean, my my view of this is colored a little bit by my experience in Florida, right? Where, where I left that club. And thought to myself, like, man, those are great players, but I don't know if they wanted enough. I don't know if they wanted enough, you know? And obviously, we've seen what they've done since, right? You know what solves locker room issues? There's one thing. It's like magic. It always solves locker room issues. It's called winning. winning. Yeah. But there's a chicken and the egg component to that, right? So yeah, there can... is, but, no, but not when you suck. You know? like but, Not when but, you wh- suck. But they When you get... suck, you don't win. I understand that. That's the real chicken and egg. So okay, so let's let's go back a year ago. Let's go back a year ago. Okay, this team was a train wreck defensively, but they still wound up turning in some entertaining games and some bizarre offensive performances. Where they actually, you know, it, it was awful to watch defensively. It was cringeworthy, but we still had some games with goals. Sure. So I'm I'm just looking at. I just want to start with what we know they have, not what we know they don't have. And I just believe, like, yeah, we say they suck, but we say they suck because of players on the margins, because the blue line's not good enough, and because they're missing, like, a piece on the PK. But I still think that their top forwards are capable of being better because they've been better. They've been better in previous incarnations of this team when the team still sucked. For sure, but there's... They're not better. So, So how do we fix that part of it where at least you can say that what they have is living up to their capability. Totally. Because if they don't, the problems are bigger than we realize. Because then you don't need a, a retool or a mini rebuild. You need a full rebuild, including their, their youngest, best players. The comparison that I'd make, though, is like, is like, what if, what if Hughes and Pedersen don't live up to their full potential, right? What if they don't become franchise-level players? And instead... They're like the Morgan Riley and the Nazem Kadri of the Canucks rebuild, and the Canucks still need, you know, franchise caliber player pieces, mm-hmm. right? I mean that that is a tough question, right? That is a tough question, and again, suggests that there's years of pain on the horizon before this team is competitive again. Now, I believe still, and I'm not going to be um, dissuaded 
by what we've seen this season. I still believe that both players have the capability to be franchise pieces. Um, but, but I do think that things have gone stagnant. I do think there's a high level of dissatisfaction. And I think that dissatisfaction has a very, very predictable basis. Like all of the stuff about the pandemic and what happened in this off season of 2020, like the reason it all got magnified and mattered was that the team sucked. The team lost. They lost a lot. It was miserable to be a part of. And now again, like it just doesn't look fun at all to be part of this organization. Right? Like it doesn't look fun in the least because they're losing all the time. And they're not just losing, they're losing badly. You know, they sometimes don't even show up on the road, right? Like it's it's brutal hockey. And you know, for me, for me like that's that's solved by building a better team. First and foremost, you build a better team. And again, I I saw this in Florida. Like I saw this in Florida. And the moment that team was good, and added, you know, the types of pieces they needed to win, the Verhages and the Declares, and, like, the amount of weaponry you need to win in the NHL, it's just, it's sickening almost. Like, you need to be so good to be a really good team. And the Canucks aren't close. And, and I just fundamentally think the biggest problems here, the biggest problems here are that the team is losing. It's not about leadership. It's not about, you know, coaching even. It's not about anything. It's the roster. The roster's not good enough. The defense core is the worst in the league. What do you expect? What do you expect from this defense core? What do you expect from a team built this way? I you know, expect people- Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson to perform at a higher level than what they're doing. That's what I expect. Yeah, me too. I expect the team to, at me times, too. be able to outscore its mistakes. I expect the team to, at times, be able to make up for a power play goal against by scoring and doing some things offensively and to control more play in the offensive zone. That's my expectation. I, I like. There is no doubt that this defense is flawed. How are you controlling play without a defense? How are you doing it? Like, how, like I just don't understand. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, they're they're not getting the puck up ice enough, but the few times that they have it, there's nothing going on there. Besser and Pedersen have Jason Dickinson on their line right now. Yeah, but that's because the coach is desperate and he doesn't want the lotto line together and he's just looking at any possible opportunities to try to fix this by spreading around a line that isn't working, right? Sure, but there's no good options for them. There's no, like, there's no Zach Hyman here. There's no Carter Verhage to help them in transition. There's no heavy forward got- to offset what they do. Like, but they've, they got don't eight have funct- but they've got eight functional forwards who should be able to produce more than they're producing. Yeah, but I'm. But I, is their production the big issue here? Like, well, it's a big part of it. I mean, for sure, for sure, the team's not generating enough. If their best were playing at a level that is commensurate with their talent and salaries, if they were doing that, you'd live with some of the other structural problems and you'd know where to place the blame. But I look at this as so much bigger. There was a problem. There was a time in Edmonton where losing became cultural and systemic. And that's what's happened here. And I think that there's such a lack of belief that this group of players doesn't believe this organization can fix it. Right? They're like, it is mail it in Monday right now. Correct. So that's an (laughs) indictment on the players as much as it is on the organization. Right? Like that's an indictment on the players too. Right, like the players at some point For have sure. to rally around each other. The players have to at some point have professional pride and work. They don't have that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. Fundamentally, like, you know, they've got very few even strength points, right? Three even strength points from Elias Pettersson in 16 games is clearly not getting it done. <laughs> clearly not getting it done. Um, You know, I think Brock Besser, it's even worse. Like, it's even uglier than that. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right that this team's best players, like this team's best players are a big part of what's happening, but you also need to be able to not excel, but withstand like a well-constructed team withstands when things go against them, right? They withstand a run of tough form from a star player who, you know, missed nine months with injury and then training camp, right? Like they're, they're built to withstand those moments. They might not crush it, but they're not done in by you know they're not the type of team that now needs to win at 103 point pace the rest of the way to make the playoffs right like they don't win they don't cruise along at a 61 point clip over 16 games because their star center is not firing right like this does happen to other teams and they can withstand it because they're well built the problem with the canucks 
Because it's like, even when they get elite goaltending, they can't capitalize on. Right? Like, that's a bad team. It's a badly constructed roster. I just can't get around that. And 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 the fundamental thing to change it is to win. Is is to build a build an NHL blue line and then we'll talk. So here here's another question and I can't believe I'm asking this. Because we have laughed at the notion of the amount this team has spent on intangibles, right? The Jay Beagles, the Antoine Roussels of the world. But I'm not talking about those players at those contract and those terms, but is there enough leadership in that room? Because, you know, JT Miller, like he's got that grit element to him, but there's also a lot of volatility and highs and lows, right? He can bring a team up. He can also bring a team down. Uh, Bo Horvat, who does everything the right way. Um, you know, I'm not sure he's that grab you by the scruff of your neck, aggressive leader that is capable or willing to, hold people accountable a certain way. He's a lead by example guy and he's a high character guy. And I don't believe there's enough character in that room. Um, You know, because again, work ethic and grit and character can make up for some of the things you talk about, right? Like they can withstand some of it. Ultimately you need a certain level of talent and construction, but you still also need a consistency of effort in what you're doing. And they don't have that. So do they have enough of those types of players? I mean, we talked about, losing a Chris Tanev who yeah, brought Tanev's a certain the big one. Yeah, t- absolutely. He's the big like, one. Like that's the, that's but the you, type you, of veteran leadership you pay for. You also don't have uh Brandon Sutter in the room currently who has a certain level of currency in that regard. So as poorly constructed as they are on the ice, are they, do they have enough, you know, intangible grit character in that room and again i'm not an advocate for paying four times three for those guys but is there enough of that in there well and and i mean the thing is is it can't come from those guys like that's the problem it can come from tanev because he's a top four defenseman you know it can come from tanev because he's one of the best defensive defenders in hockey right like it's different when you hear it from tanev or dimitra sundin for that matter right than when you hear it from a guy playing nine minutes a game absolutely you know like yeah. Like the, like a fourth liner can't be the same caliber of leader as a Hall of Fame caliber player who's still a top, who's still in your top six or or a top four guy that's been there forever and plays the game you know the right way in a way that everyone in the league admires right like it's just you know I look at Edmonton and and see specifically right it's not Dave Tippett it's not Ken Holland it's Dreisaitl McDavid right it's that they've found this competitive mix between them where they push each other and then that rubs off on everyone and you you demand they demand just just by how they work just by how they go about their business just by how they hold their own teammates accountable right because that's the other secret here a gm and a coach will never tell you this on the record but it's true in the contemporary nhl real accountability has to come from within the room itself that's how it works Coaches and GMs are not paid enough and they don't have enough job security to create the sense of accountability that's needed over the course of 82 games, you know, or the course of 820 games over a decade with a core best case scenario, right? Needs to come from within the room. And and with Dreisaitl and McDavid, the Oilers have now got this dynamic where their two best players are like absolute alpha dogs, complete mature command of themselves, right? And as a result of that and the work ethic and the example that they've set, you've seen guys like Darnell Nurse has become way more than he was two, three years ago, right? Jesse Pugliarvi has hit to like the 99th percentile of what we thought he could be when he looked like a bust, right? They, they, the way that your top players carry themselves rubs off on everybody else and, and creates a dynamic where, you know, Guys level up. Guys play better than they did before. And the Canucks used to have that with Henrik and Daniel. Like, if you're talking about who's going to lead the Canucks out of this, like, it's, it's kind of got to be 43 and 40. Like, it's got to be those guys finding that in themselves. And that's why the loss of a guy like Tanev, who they referred to as dad, you know, looms so large when we talk about this club looking dysfunctional now, right? Like, that was the guy with the weight to do it. That was the guy to insulate them. And I didn't even think they should have resigned him at the time. But I didn't either. Just you know, not for the price that they're talking about. I didn't think four times four was worth it. But in hindsight, 
given what this locker room looks like, it, it clearly totally. is. And and you oh. are right. And this is this is the central thing fans need to understand. When you want to fire the coach, when you want to fire the GM, and there's a case to be made. Look in the <laughs> room. Ones. Look Strong at ones. your favorite players. Look at your favorite players. Ultimately, do they have the will, the character, and the capacity? Because ultimately, we've seen they've got the talent. Are they mature enough yet to play a certain way, to demand others play the same way, and to get this team where it needs to be? Yes, there's yeah. flaws in the roster, but to me, the biggest flaw in that roster is in the room now. It's not who's not in the room. It's who's in the room. Nah. I see. I, I fundamentally... Flaw. I fundamentally Those guys aren't mature enough. They're not character guys. I'm but, questioning but their character. They're, they're 23 and 22, man. Like, McDavid and Dreisaitl took years to figure it out, right? Edmonton's just emerging as an elite team now. And those guys are in their mid-20s. But their production you know? was always there. So, yeah, they were flawed at playoff time because people could take them out of it. But they, they still had... But they didn't win. Like, they didn't win. Well, they did in the regular uh-huh. season for the most part, except when not McDavid really. got injured. Only the last two years have they been a playoff team. They had one playoff run in, what, 2018? And then they were out of it again for two years. Like, they, this, isn't, this isn't an Oilers team that's made the playoffs year after year for five years in a row. It's like two years in which they've been really, really good again. Well, we'll see what the ceiling is. Like, I, I just think to who much is given, much is expected. And right now, they're not living up to expectations, especially 40. For sure. And, and you probably need to even more, an environment. Probably more so even six than 43. Sure. I probably got a little more faith in what 43 brings just because of there is still a consistency there in what we see from him game in and game out. Yeah, but there's not a joyfulness. And, no, there's and more, not. There's not. I'm with and, you. And more than that, more than that, um, you know, you have to create the, the environment for these guys. These guys aren't going to be mature. They're not going to be killers at 22, 23, like, like 40 and 43 are. Well, start leading yourself. If you can't lead others, start having a consistency of your own performance before you can lead everybody else and bring everybody into the fight. Look, look, fundamentally though, they don't have the weapons. They don't have the weapons, man. They don't even have have the weapons two years ago when Pedersen performed and produced the way he did. No, 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 of course not. I mean, they, they didn't then and he performed, but, but now nobody's paying attention to him and he's not performing, but he had guys like Markstrom and he had guys like Toffoli and Miller and Horvat and Tana. Like there, there were, there was at least some cultural insulation there, right? And now, and now, I mean, look, they have Oliver Ekman Larson. I'm not saying they're devoid of this type of leadership entirely, but I don't know that it's it's certainly not the right mix yet. No, right? It's not and that. and and to top it all off, the team's now gone through. You know, when 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 in 1920, you think about Pedersen, he wins the Calder, he gets Quinn Hughes as a teammate the next year. Team's on the up. Right? They immediately find chemistry. They start to have success. It all snowballs. Well, that's one thing. Now, the pandemic. The, own, the organization gets gutted. Ownership fires a ton of people. Uh, cut salaries. All your buddies leave. All the guys you trusted and won with in the bubble and sacrificed with in the bubble. Right? All of those guys are gone. And then the season goes miserably and you, and you sustain a significant injury. And then, and then your deal is the last one done. Club makes all these other changes. Your deal is the last one done, right? And then you come in and you have no success off the hop and the team has no success off the hop. Like, that's a gut check moment. That's not easy, man. It's not easy to just be like, I'm mature, you know? And 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 fundamentally, fundamentally, the environment constructed around him is what's made it not easy. Like, the circumstances that this franchise has endured is is just added bricks on his back. So, yeah, he's responsible for his performance. He needs to be better. But the idea that, like, he's the biggest problem, as opposed to 30, or not 30, but 30, yeah, 30 mistakes over eight years, right? Just, like, a slow drip of bleeding value in every single transaction. A completely undisciplined, unfocused rebuilding effort. Just doesn't make sense to me. All true. All true. I just, uh, like I said, from a, I know from the fans' perspective, they want to see some change in the here and now, and I think it starts there. I think what we'll probably see at some point if this continues is is a change at the, at the head coach, but the sh- the biggest change short term that's available is control your own performance. And and you are right. Look, I don't want to take, I don't want to absolve the organization for any of this, right? But I just think that 
great players who've demonstrated greatness should find a way to sustain greatness. And the roster wasn't significantly better. You're not wrong in terms of the environment and additional players taking the leadership burden. But when you sign your first big contract and you're in year four now, right? You're, you're not a kid anymore. This is a young man's league. And you talk about when your athletic prime is. I think you said it was 25 to 27. He's just approaching right. that now. Yeah, statistical prime, 23 to 26. So, uh, so he's me, in it. He's no longer a pre-primed player. He's yeah, in he, his prime. He's not a child. No, he's right? not. And so you have to have a level of accountability. It can't be I'm going to tune out till the coach changes. And look, it, takes, there was, it takes time. Like, I, I, seriously, like, again, I look at, I look at Barkov, who I remember, like, I love the guy. Love the guy. My favorite person, right? And I, I used to wonder, like, is this guy too nice? Like, is this guy too nice at the end of the day? And now you look at him. He's just a winner. Just a stone-cold winner. But he didn't really take that leap until he was 26, 27. Like, he'd left his statistical prime when he became this guy who can will his team to victory every night. You know? Like, he was the, the best two-way center in hockey, but he wasn't a winner until he got later in his 20s. Like, it takes time. And it, and it takes more time if you're put in an organization, if, if you're put in an environment that doesn't help bring it out of you with the wrong people. And, you know, I mean, look, judging character, evaluating character, valuing character, I think it's fair to say that's been a significant weak point among the many that this club has sort of lived through over what, what I sort of look at now, you know, in, in sort of the long view of history as like a failed effort by the organization to move past the 2011 core and into something new. Like at this point, you know, whatever structure has been built, whatever value has been mined from the pain of those years, it's not working and it probably needs to be rethought and it probably needs to be rethought with a multi-year time horizon in mind. And boy, that has to be frustrating from a market that really hasn't had much to cheer about hockey-wise in eight years, uh, the 2020 bubble aside. Absolutely, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better anytime soon, but we will see. The Canucks have the next two days off before they play again. We'll see if it looks any different. We'll do our next show on Thursday after the next game. Uh, between now and then, Justin Falk of the St. Louis Blues joined Sean Gentili and co- uh, guest co-host Jeremy Rutherford this week on the Athletic Hockey Show USA. Also, Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports and Jesse Granger, along with Sarah Sivian, have the Athletic Hockey Show on Wednesday at the Athletic. And as for the VIPs, look, we didn't get into a lot of detail today as far as penalty kill and line combinations and who's hot and who's not. It was so much big picture, uh, a lot of raw emotion because we wanted to articulate the rage of the fan base because clearly it's out there. So we thank you for listening to the VanCast. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. Also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all that bonus content from the entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial and then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can get annual subscriptions to the Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash VanCast. So we we left all the details out so we can dive into that on Thursday, buddy. (laughs) Perfect.